So guys, we had a blast over at Justice's for his birthday, and this guy gave a full dissertation on why Nickelback is actually a good band. It was great. It had a lot of fun. So a little context so people don't just think I'm really weird. Uh, I had <laughs> as many friends over, I invited like all of them, and I think like 15 or 18 people came. And I, I'm addicted to TikTok. Like I'm not ashamed to admit it. And so I had everyone do the TikTok trend where they create a PowerPoint and present something. And my PowerPoint was on why Nickelback is the greatest band of our generation. And you had cited, no, you didn't have cited sources because you said that was dumb, but you had a source involved. I did. I, I actually did a lot of research on this because I do, in fact, enjoy Nickelback, but I am curious as to why there's so much hate. And when I say I enjoy them, I'm just saying like they have some really good songs. I'm not saying I'm out here going like they're the best band in the world. It's just was I, I like riling people up. Anyway, there's an actual Swedish, no, sorry, Finnish article that talks about um, why Nickelback is so hated. And they review a bunch of American and Finnish articles reviewing Nickelback's work. And they came up with like the six criteria of authenticity and why people think why they think nickelback is hated so much so i talked about that and then i basically just played some really great memes and then i gave why i think nickelback is amazing and then i ended the whole thing with the commercial from deadpool like i guess 1.5 and and had like deadpool just kind of explain the amazing uh stats that nickelback can uh wow your minds with i mean like we, I, I'm surprised if we haven't talked about this on the show, but we are Nickelback apologists. We think that they are <laughs> not deserving all of the hate, and we'll stand by that controversial opinion, no matter how much it gets us canceled. Gary's was great. Are you going to share yours, Gary? <laughs> not a chance in hell I'm going to share what mine was. Uh, that's for another day in another podcast. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I don't know why I didn't think I was going to get roasted. But I got roasted repeatedly by people. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Like, I have not laughed that hard in such a long time. And like, you you did make us do a TikTok trend, and you are very addicted to TikTok. Like, if you ever for some reason had a conflict with the Chinese government, they would know every part of your soul. That's fine. They already own us anyway. <laughs> I mean, true, but. Not speaking of Chinese government, we're Pod Wars guys, and we love Nickelback. So that is the topic of today's show. <laughs> no, actually, today's topic is we're going to talk about Boba Fett, and then we're going to talk the Multiverse of Madness trailer that they just dropped recently, and then I probably round it out with some comics. You know, guys, um, I do have to share one thing, and if you do truly listen to this podcast, you should reach out and let me know if you want to hear this. I had the privilege of talking with Charles Soule and Ryan Brown for about an hour and 15 minutes, and it was great. I had a lot of fun. However, I was going in with the idea that it was going to be like an interview, and I was going to be able to put it on the podcast, and they had other ideas, and it's very funny. It's hilarious. It's a good time. Um, it, it is definitely going to go down as a memory, a core memory, uh, but yes, let me know. I'm gonna let Gary. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna send you the files so you can listen to it, Gary, and some of my, some of my other friends. But um, 
I did get permission from them to kind of chop it up and make it into a podcast because there are some legitimately cool answers that they give. But then the whole like podcast, I, I don't even know what it is. The whole interview, like if, if anyone knows, like Charles Stone and Ryan Brown, they wrote curse words together. They have a new uh, comic book coming out. It's really great. Uh, Charles Soule is a big author we talk about a ton with the high republic yeah. with the vader comics star wars comics yes. great writer great writer awesome guy but they like to joke around that's just them and so i sent them a list of questions to answer and they instead of like like specific questions for ryan specific questions for charles and charles was like you know what no we're gonna answer the other person's questions for that person so Ryan was trying to answer like Star Wars questions for Charles and Charles was trying to answer art questions for Ryan. And, and it was just, and then at one point um, I asked Charles what it's like to hide his musical career. And he pulled out his guitar and started playing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the pit, in pitch black. And all you could see on the camera was just his face and the guitar. He serenaded us. I, I really, really want justice to release this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, bro, I let it go off the rails, okay? I let it go off the rails. But I think you guys should let him know at Podboys Podcast if he should release it. If you want to hear Charles Soule sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He, I know he, I do. He doesn't sing. He just, like, he, he you can hear the tune. Well, it's it's funny because, like, the for some reason, his guitar wasn't picking it up. And we're just like are you playing anything? You're not making any noise. He's like, you guys can't hear this. And then he like puts the guitar in such a weird position so that like the mic will pick it up. And like, he starts like playing and it's very, very quiet, but it's like, you could, it's, it's very subtle. So yes, it's, it's a good time. I think you'd be doing a disservice to every nerdy fan by not releasing this interview, dude. You got to, <laughs> you absolutely have to. <laughs> okay. I'll think about it. Anyway. We're Podwars. I think I already said that, but I'm going to say it too. And it should be just like a thing. Just like anytime we have a transition, just be like, we're Podwars. <laughs> so we're Podwars, and this is how you remind me of what I really am. <laughs> uh, and just throw in as many Nickelback references as we can. Because if today was your last day, we want you to think about Nickelback. <laughs> so I, I've seen some spoilers of the Doctor Strange trailer but i haven't actually watched it because i was a piece of crap and didn't want to stay up late for the super bowl so did you not uh, watch the super bowl i did not watch the super bowl oh i don't dude. know why it was really good like, this year it, I, that's what i heard and i was just in that like hey it's gonna suck who cares kind of mood and it ended up being great but the halftime show was fire yeah the halftime show was really really good uh it was like 90s babies wet dreams and yep. maybe a little like older 80 babies uh, too. It, it, uh, well it had kendrick lamar too who's like newer yeah that was kind of an oddball i think they they won that's how they brought in like the younger crowd but like it was definitely really good and the game and then was, like 50 cent with like blood rushing to his head for yeah. like half of the set yeah for sure the game actually was good i like that it was two teams that haven't been there before in a while and it was really close so you know but they didn't release the Kenobi trailer like we were hoping. They didn't but do they that. Did, but I, they did release the Doctor Strange trailer, and apparently it's mind-blowing. Yeah, there's so, some, there's some yeah. uh, massive reveals and stuff connecting to what if. So 
we're going to do our thing where it's going to be in real time for you guys. Like nothing happened, but we're going to pause the podcast. Gary's going to watch it. I'm going to do a little research and then we'll come back and act like you guys are going to get the best review in the world. So first off, the trailer is incredible beyond hype for this movie. Like I think everyone looking at this is incredibly excited and it's not giving away too much, but it definitely has a lot of things that I, I've already seen the spoilers before seeing the trailer just now. This is my first time actually watching it through. And I kind of want to discuss the possibilities that we get from the trailer. Um, first off, we have to talk about the the what-if comparisons. So we get evil Doctor Strange. We get that kind of melting of reality in the world, exactly like the Doctor Strange episodes. Yeah, we got that. And we also have the the alien in one of the, the what if episodes where yeah the elder god the elder god where he like cuts it in half or cuts the truck in half with his w- wizard abilities <laughs> with his magic hands yeah there's a lot of what if comparison comparisons in there um, oh there's also lo- um the one where he looks like he's like the zombified version. Like they look like there's a zombies mm-hmm. version of it. So that's that uh, there's a potential for that as well. If you haven't seen what if you really should watch it. Cause like, you're not going to understand multiverse of madness if you haven't seen it. And there's little bits of extra stuff too, images out there that you can see that really connect to what if, cause what if directly goes into the multiverse, all the Marvel TV shows really get connect to it. Um, and it's going to add to your experience of Doctor Strange. I have a feeling that it's not going to be like you can't see Doctor Strange without it, but it's, it's going to add a whole lot to your viewing experience. It's going to be like in Daredevil or sorry, in Spider-Man No Way Home, where the guy walks in and it's, you know, it's um, Charlie Cox and he's playing Daredevil. People are going to be like in the theaters freaking out. And then you're going to have to look over to your friend and be like, what what happened? And they're going to be like, oh, it's in What If. If you were watched What If, you would know what's going on. Yeah. But, and speaking of what if there is, I mean, there's rumors about Captain Carter being in there too, based off a little flashing of images in the trailer. But I think this kind of leads, I, think, I don't know if that's going to be the case though. Oh, I don't think so. I think people are thinking it's Captain, what Captain, the Captain Carter images are just American Chavez, who's a, another hero that they haven't introduced yet that's getting introduced in this movie. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about the big one of the introduction of what is likely the Illuminati of Marvel. Yes. So you get to hear, there's a part where one, we're going to point out the iron Ultron bots. That was really cool. Yep. Ultron bots in there taking Dr. Strange in handcuffs to see this weird group. And so then you get this, you don't see the person's face, but you hear the voice and it's the iconic Patrick Stewart playing you know he played professor x in the x-men movies and he's just kind of like talking to them so everyone's freaking out thinking that they're going to introduce the illuminati they're going to introduce the x-men in this movie gary do you got any information for our lovely fans on the illuminati yes so the illuminati in the comics are basically a group that is trying to get all of the marvel superhero dumb together for big threats and make the tough decisions that go alongside of it. So they're neither good or necessarily evil, but they're trying to make the toughest kind of multiversal or overall decisions for the Marvel Universe. Encompasses Iron Man, Professor X, Namor, Black Bolt, 
Doctor Strange and Reed Richards in the comics. And it doesn't sometimes include other members like Black Panther and Captain America. But since they're too much of people with, you know, actual morals, they they end up leaving the group half the time. Now, in the the Illuminati in the comics started after the Kree Skull War of Iron Man being like, yo, we need to have a group to really help unite Earth against these huge kind of events that could completely destroy us. Something beyond just S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So, for example, the Illuminati would have been there to help Iron Man and the first Avengers movie decide what to do with the huge nuke that was coming and and like you know take it into the outer space at the Tachari. Uh, um, yeah, and so that's that Illuminati would have been there kind of helping making that decision. And in the comics, they're kind of notorious for making a decision that's a tough call and having it kind of blow up in their face a little bit. Like they decide to send the Hulk into space because the Hulk had a rampage in Vegas and they're like, he's too dangerous. This led to the Hulk coming back really pissed off and attacking all of the superheroes in World War Hulk. They also have a connection with the Infinity Gauntlet in which they have the gauntlet and basically they knew they couldn't destroy it. So each of them took an Infinity Stone to hide it away and protect it. There's, there's a lot to cover with this group, but what I think it's going to lead to is more of the later Secret Wars plot where they were having, what was the uh, insurgents? Or basically all the multiverses were coming together and colliding. And the Illuminati decided that we need to destroy other universes in order to keep ours alive. It's the only way we can really live. And that was a huge conflict within that plot line. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that they do introduce this group. It's a very... Um... There's just the the moral ground is so gray with this group, and it can really open up a whole lot for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think it's going to help introduce just so many new characters. And just there's other things like because of those Ultron bots, we're probably going to get to see the Invincible Iron Man, which is supposed to be the strongest Iron Man. And there's rumors that you know Tom Cruise might be playing that character. Who knows? But there is scenes where you get this figure who looks like he's wearing Iron Man armor and he's fighting Wanda. There's still images and he kind of, the actor looks African American. So I'm not sure that it's Tom Cruise. Yeah. I I've seen a little bit of that and I'm thinking it's a, so superior Iron Man is basically a not necessarily evil version of Iron Man, but he's an Iron Man from this plot axis that led to like, heroes becoming amoral and all kinds of weird stuff like that i won't get into um but think iron man but without any moral compass that not um, that, that he so had not, any to begin with honestly. not that he has much to begin with but take away whatever shreds of moral compass he has and get rid of it and so a lot of people based off of that meme uh think it's tom cruise some people think it's monica rambeau from the wandavision series I don't know. I thought it looked like an African-American guy. It could be Iron Lad because, for those of you who don't know, King the Conqueror was introduced in Loki. Um, his, you know, He's able to hop many, many timelines and different you know, periods of time. At one point, he's Iron Lad and ended up, ends up becoming King. So maybe that's who Wanda's fighting at that point. But you had a little bit more about Patrick Stewart and his quote-unquote cameo yeah so he did come out and kind of talk about it and there's a little quote that i want to read and this is what he had to say 
You know, people have been intimidating my voice ever since I came on stage 60 years ago. So I can't be held responsible for that. And it just kind of feels like an Andrew Garfield response. Yeah. Like, and I also heard him saying how he doesn't want Professor X to come back because he liked the ending in Logan. It's totally an Andrew Garfield kind of response. Did you see Ryan Reynolds had the same thing? Like, people saw in the shattered glass, one of the posters, what looked like to be Deadpool and his, like, two little beady white eyes. And Ryan Reynolds is like, nope, I'm absolutely not in that movie. And everyone's like, I call bullshit. Speaking of Deadpool, I went to this awesome manga store and there is a samurai deadpool manga and i had to pick no it up. freaking way yep i picked that, it up oh and for those of you who don't know manga like there's there it's actually funny so i just know reading it it's just gonna be hilarious having it you deadpool. know it's gonna just like meme on all of the manga and anime tropes oh yeah i cannot wait that sorry i know aside now we're going back so i want to kind of talk about you know, we, there's there's some theories about the Illuminati, you know, Invincible Iron Man. But we, we talked about how What If is going to play a huge role. But I think we also need to mention that WandaVision is going to play a massive role, too, because Wanda is a main character. And it kind of looks like she starts off as a hero but becomes a, a villain. And there's a few scenes that make me, well, I don't know if it's just that they're cutting it in the trailer that way or if that's actually going to happen. But you have the famous one where she's talking to strange she's like you do something that breaks the rules and you become a hero i do something and i become a villain doesn't seem fair which is a great line and then there's the mm-hmm. other line where it kind of like got carry vibes where there's like blood running down her head and she's using her powers mm-hmm. so i i have a feeling that she's gonna either she's gonna find an evil version of herself or she's just straight up evil yeah i don't know and it didn't tease anything about her kids being involved in it my my thought is she's going to eventually do something to find her children, even if it's at the detriment of the multiverse or whatever the heck Doctor Strange is working on. Um, I, could she be evil? Maybe yes, maybe no. It, I, I wonder if we're going to run into like a zombie version of her or a truly evil multiverse version of her. Either way, it's cool having the two of them together at their like cosmic peak. And just the trailer in general it does have horror vibes which is sam raimi's thing yes like if you watch spider-man one and even in spider-man two with the green goblin there's some as a kid there are some really scary scenes you know the green goblin laughing and norman kind of going insane like that freaked me out as a little kid and watching this trailer like there's same sam raimi vibes that you're getting you know you're getting like old classic horror but it's still marvel in itself yeah, I, I, I know that Disney doesn't have the balls to go true horror with a Marvel film. And this is the closest we're probably going to get, and I'm down for it. It looks at least creepy, and I'd love a little bit of creepiness in kind of the Marvel formula. Well, when you're going to introduce a dead version of Doctor Strange where he's got the – he does like those multiple arms thing. Side note, again, I have like all these side notes. I saw on Twitter people were thinking that that was Noel. And Donnie Cates tweeted yeah. out, it was like, no, I, Noel's not in Multiverse of Madness. Nice try, guys. Yeah. It, but it does have some body horror kind of elements, like where he looks all cubed up. They're, they're kind of embracing that a little bit, which is really dope. Yeah. And I kind of want to know what they're going to do with American Chavez because, you know, she's, she's a new character. This, there seems to be like a 
not this seems it is a big movie i think it's going to be extremely ambitious like spider-man no way home was ambitious for doing bringing andrew and toby back Endgame was ambitious and so was infinity war because of bringing all the marvel characters i feel like this is going to be extremely ambitious with all the cameos all the new heroes that they're introducing and trying to tie in a cartoon and multiple tv shows along with the past marvel shows as well We'll see. I don't want to get too much in the rabbit hole of it has to be like this for the movie, but anything's kind of possible with this one, which is cool. Oh, I'm not saying it has to be like this. I'm just saying that they have a lot of touchstones to kind of work from, and I don't want to get lost in the sauce. I want there to be like a really good story. I love that you said lost in the sauce. (laughs) I, I, I don't know why that got to me, but... This is going to be, it's going to be good. I'd say if you're going to watch this, you have to see at least some bit of WandaVision, some bit of Loki. What if is, I wouldn't say essential, but helpful viewing. It would add to the experience. At least watch the Doctor Strange episodes. You have to. They're the best part of the show anyway. Well, the last two episodes are great, but I mean, I guess he is in it. Mm. Yeah. Eventually we'll cover what if. But, dude, any other thoughts before we move on to some Book of Boba? It's coming out rather soon. Beginning of May? I'm hyped. Wow. Okay, okay yeah. Beginning of May. I did not catch that. Like, February is Old almost crap. over. Damn. Um, I was trying to think of a Nickelback quote, but nothing came to mind. So, Book of Boba. Look at this graph. <laughs> Well, okay. So, Book of Boba. Boba Fett obviously couldn't make it as a blind man, and he couldn't <laughs> cut it as a poor man stealing. But all the, all, overall, I love the show. Um, okay, let's go back into this. Dude, overall thoughts on Book of Boba. We covered the first episode. Obviously, a shit ton happened since then. Okay. Where do you want to start with it? Guys, we... I mean, like, I want to apologize, but I also really, like, don't care. Like, we're going to hop around. And if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. It's, it is worth your time. But I have um, some strong criticism, and I'm ready to throw down. And so I do feel... Let's see it. I do feel bad. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about, in general, overall character arc of Boba Fett. Okay? That's where that's where my main criticism from the show is coming. And then I have a second one. And it's, I don't think it's going to be what everyone else's criticism that you're kind of seeing online because those people are stupid. But my criticism is <laughs> legitimate. Anyway, here's my main criticism. So Boba Fett has gone on about how he wants to be a different mob boss. He doesn't want to rule with fear. He wants to you know, be this person who has respect. And because of that respect, people follow him. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. It, basically. Okay. So. You do have the one scene where he, the Tusken Raiders get killed, which is my second criticism, but I'll go after that. We'll talk about it later. The second, the, he goes and he kills a bunch of the bikers. And, but as the story goes on in the, the show, he's like this guy who's not really about killing people. He's like taking capture and, you know, he's trying to have like this good moral compass. And then you get to the very last episode where they introduce Cad Bane and, He's fighting him, which is amazing. That was dope. I love that. I love it to death. Like, that was awesome. 
But then he kills him at the end. And so I'm just sitting here thinking, what the hell was his character arc? Like the whole episode, the whole show, you're trying to like make him this person. And at the very end, he just kills him. Like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it, it like, it went back on everything that they were trying to build up in this whole show. I see your, your critique. It is somewhat valid, but I would argue that they still complete the arc by um, him kind of saving that city and him saving Freetown. Of he's being more, he's being a crime boss that actually cares about his constituents, for lack of a better term, um, but is still willing to like lay down the law when he needs to. I, I, I took it as with the violence in the last episode, like he kills Cad Bane, he kills all the people who betray that town, but he takes care of the citizens. Um, okay. So that's where I see that completion of the character arc. Okay. But I, I get what you're saying. So I, I can, I get. I can kind of, I guess, slightly reason with that. Maybe still mulling it over. The other criticism I have is, and I loved this about Boba. We've we've talked about it. I've also talked about it with one of my friends, Jameson, um, and also you know Dakota and many other people about this show. But one of the things that really stood out to me was that they humanized the Tusken Raiders, and I loved that. Yeah, incredible. I, I thought it was so cool. Like having you know them become more people not these savages and the, you know anakin just going and treating them like trash and you know they're taking it in taking it in training him helping him like fall in love with the planet really 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 enjoyed it and then they killed them and it's like why did you do that why did you why did you set up all that just to kill them right away like i don't i don't and it's not that i'm mad that they killed them it's just how quickly they did it uh I disagree with you on that one, too. I think that was well-crafted as a way to show he had a loss, a true loss in his life that made him want to be more than the person he was. Um, so even though it was early, even though we want more Tuscan, like, we needed that loss to happen. Otherwise, him going from bounty hunter to caring leader doesn't make any sense. Okay. Again, mulling over your ideas... I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying you're right. But taking a side note here, there is a lot to truly critique in Book of Boba Fett. Point number one here, let's be real. The uh, Other than the finale, the two episodes preceding that were episodes entirely of The Mandalorian. Right. Like That's another critique, too. I, I wanted to focus like, on those things. Like You're going to bring up some really good ones that are probably more valid. You should have either just made it solely a Boba Fett show or solely a Mandalorian show. Like, I feel like the last, those, uh, what would that be, four and five, completely stole the whole series. They were the best episodes of the show, and Boba Fett didn't show up. Like, you have this character that's been around for decades that people have been wanting to see a solo something about, a, a movie, TV show, whatever, and not only is he let down to the fans in a lot of ways, the best part of his own series involves another character. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, we've talked about in the past how Boba Fett isn't like our favorite character. And I just like, I don't mean this to sound mean, but what's going on with Darksaber and Grogu, I find way more interesting than whether or not Boba Fett's going to be able to take over Tatooine. Oh, absolutely. Like, as much as I say that that was a poor choice to have two episodes basically be The Mandalorian, I'm happy because it didn't waste two episodes of The Mandalorian. Like, 
it I have a little bit of that Mando season already without having to wait for Mando to come out. And that plot line is far more interesting, has far more potential, and has far more impact on the Star Wars universe as a whole. But I can see it being a really weak point for if you're trying to make Book of Boba Fett actually a compelling series, you don't do that by bringing in another character and having your character literally not show up for two episodes. I just want to say, and I've been saying this over and over and over again, but Bryce Dallas Howard can do no wrong. She directed one of those episodes about the Mandalorian and she kicked ass and take na- took names. And um, yes, I just want to let you, everyone know that again. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say it again, again, just give Disney, give her. And yes, just give her the keys to make a movie. I'm sure she will do a phenomenal job. She is great. So let's take a step back and talk about some things that we think are good about the series. Reasons why somebody should watch it. Um. So I was actually talking about this with Kevin from Force Losers because he did thoroughly enjoy the show. I thought that this show did a very good job of making it like, yes, they did introduce Luke and it was kind of, there was a little Skywalker thing, but some of the things that they added in the show made it very non star Warsy and opened like the star Wars world so much more than I thought they were going to. For example, the mod guy, like that was cool. Like I, I I don't know how people feel about it, but I thought that was really Mm. cool how there was the mod guy. Like you haven't seen a star Wars person. Like you've seen people who've gotten modifications like Darth Vader, but like you haven't seen like, it, it felt very like cyberpunky to go and meet this Definitely. guy, which is inside of Star Wars you haven't seen before. And I'm sure there's so many stories that can be brought out of that. The other thing is the biker gang, the one that joins Boba Fett. Like, did it feel kind of out of place? Sure. But it's a whole new side of Star Wars that we haven't seen before that I think can totally exist in a universe where it's just not about the Skywalker family. Okay, that's a very positive way to look at them. I personally hated the uh, the well, the biker gang is in the one in tattooing with the Tuscans. Is that what you're talking about, or the younger kid biker gang? The young. The, I said the ones that joined Boba Fett. Oh, I hated them so freaking much. They were. I I get what you're saying, and it's valid, and it's a good point. But they kind of. Okay, I was talking with Evan about this, and I was mentioning my critiques of them. How one, they look super lame. Their little bike things are like a weird 1950s kind of feel, totally out of place in Star Wars. They're they're not very badass. He spins because it's a cool trick. There's a lot of stuff in there that's just lame from them. But Evan brought up a good point of that. Like, yeah, they feel out of place in Star Wars, but they're kind of like the Gen Z of the Star Wars universe. The kind that like older people like us just look at and say, screw those guys. Like... I hate them. They suck. They're the young whippersnapper types. Right. Like, I just feel like Star Wars has to be ever-evolving, and part of that has to be evolving past maybe the Skywalker story, even though we just talked about how the whole Grogu thing, and we'll talk about Luke in a second. But there there has to be more stories being told that aren't just the Skywalker stuff. Yeah, and I totally get that. I didn't like them. I, I thought they were so lame. I mean, they were incredibly lame. It, I was put off by it, and I really don't care about the whole spin thing. People are like way like overblowing that. It was, I, it's well, it's not a big deal. I just saw it and started laughing. Like you've got to be kidding me. That was so pathetic. Yeah, 
but other cool things about this is that you know Star Wars being Star Wars, they brought in a bunch of not a bunch. They brought in one main character. Oh no, two main characters that one was from a TV show and a comic, and then one just straight up from a comic. Uh, Black Cranston. Cranston um, yeah, who's in the first Darth Vader run with Kieran Gillian writing it. He is, you know, a bounty hunter, super cool guy. Him and Chewie go to blow to blow. It's a lot, a lot of fun to read. We've done a review on it, so if you want to go back, go listen to that episode where we talk about him. But I did see a post from Kieran Gillian saying how on Twitter when he was he's very excited that he got introduced into the show and he's really support like glad of the support that he's receiving. And he was going back in his notes and he was gonna call him Nubaka. <laughs> Nubaka. <laughs> he he is cool. Black Chrysanthemum is like he's an awesome character to add in. Cad Bane awesome character to add in we can expand on but i want to i want to take a second to well first off going on other things that are good we talked about before the sand people backstory incredible um the development of boba fett and his backstory i think is incredible with him becoming attached to this familial unit and realizing that you can't just be solo um i i loved all that but i'd like to talk about the elephant in the room with this show of a lot of fans saying that Boba Fett is watered down and just an absolute wuss in the show versus the badass guy that they thought he would be. Oh, you mean now, the, the guy who was on screen for like three minutes and then fell into a Starlick pit? Yes, that badass. Yeah, that badass guy. Um, okay, so obviously, I, I agree with you, Justice. Obviously, there's more to it with it. Um, I do get people's thoughts with it i understand that you see boba fett as a badass even in the mandalorian um and that's what you wanted from this character but the thing that disney gave you even if it's not what they what you wanted has potential to be better i think that having the daimo that's like a badass when he needs to be stabs cad bane kills all his enemies kills the pike syndicate is is great when he's also the complex character of someone who spares the Gamorreans, who does more of that uh, extra effort for Freetown, does things that are more, I guess, anti-hero versus just purely being a warrior badass. He freaking murked a whole biker gang with his pl- with his Slave 1 chip. Yes, I said Slave 1. I'm just saying, like, y'all are complaining. Yes, he did he talk too much in the show? Maybe, and even the actor was talking about how he tried to not say as many lines. However, like there are still scenes where he's still that badass. He stabs Cad Bane, and again, as I'm thinking about it, like yes, there maybe is that that my first criticism about you know him going back on it because doesn't he tell like Cad Bane like I'm better with more, with a family other than be like being alone or whatnot? Yeah, he does. Okay, so like there there is some you know, full circle character are there, I guess. But I don't know, man. I just think people, yes. Do I think Boba Fett could have been a lot cooler? Maybe, but he did murder a crap ton of people. Yeah. Um, I think though that the Disney idea of making him more of this kind of leader for the people, um, while also being a badass, wasn't quite executed well. Um, Mainly because, as a character, Boba Fett doesn't know how to execute it well. So it makes sense for the story of you listening to him being like, this just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing, because he doesn't. Um, 
So it didn't have that satisfying feel that the Mandalorian had of these badass moments, plus a character that also is still very flawed because Boba Fett's figuring out how to do life right now. Um, and Justice has a point. Guys, he was on screen for a very short period of time, barely talked, and then got thrown into a Sarlacc pit. Okay. Just because he's not as badass as the Legends novel or as he was when you were playing with him as a toy, you got to get over it. Yes. But some other good things about the show. We talked about it. Cad Bane being introduced. I feel like we're saving like the, the episodes four and five with like Mando and Grogu <laughs> for mm-hmm. the last thing. We're saving yeah. that separate. Yeah. <laughs> but they introduced Cad Bane and that's super cool. Like Cad has to be at least, I don't know, 70 years old at this time. He was introduced into the, you know, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. There's a mad history with him and Boba Fett. You know, I'm pretty sure. Didn't he bring Boba? Like, he brought him under his wing, didn't he? Kind of. More so, like, Aura Singh brought Boba under his wing. So he knows Boba Fett, at, at, knew Boba as a child. And so that's where, when he meets him, he's like, I'm not a child anymore. But, big critique, the Pike Syndicate and Cad Bane were wasted. Because they spend such a large chunk of the show with Boba doing the, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to be earning by respect and failing at it. And very little of the show with the interesting plot line of the Pike Syndicate being a rival. Or the interesting plot line of Cad Bane's arrival. Cad Bane shows up and then dies right soon after. Such a waste of a great character. Uh, I agree. Like Cad Bane could have been used in a really, really different way. He could have been in... He could have been used as a villain throughout the entire season yes that it would have been cool if he was the main antagonist the whole season like if he was i don't know if he was trying to take over tatooine or he's the like i don't really know but you're right he's too big of a character and honestly cad bane's really scary like he's he is genuinely terrifying and they did kind of waste him at the end now to talk about all the fans who are butthurt about his, his design Yes, he would look cooler, a slightly darker blue. Yes, he would look cooler, a slightly bigger hat. But come on, their design there was dope. It was so true to the original design of the aliens in the Moss Eisley scenes. Like, it was a great character design for this co- for this cartoon character. So you guys got to get over that one. Star Wars fans just want to complain about everything. My goodness, they didn't even have to introduce him. Like, either don't watch Star Wars or shut the hell up and enjoy it. Yeah, it was very nitpicky with that. And there are, I think, good critiques of this show. Um, but there's also, you have to recognize things when they're done well. You can't just go in there and enjoy doing a hate fest. But that's what original trilogy fans like to do sometimes. So I feel like it's a good time to hop in and talk about episodes four and five. I, I think it is. Or uh, otherwise known as uh, episodes one and two of the next season of The Mandalorian. (laughs) Which I think comes out in December. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Great return of Mando. Um, I love that they basically, right off the bat, take care of the issue of what's going to happen with The Mandalorian and the whole thing of Baby Yoda going with Luke. That whole situation being up in the air. They took care of that in a way that I thought made sense. Um, what were your thoughts on that, dude? Oh, no, I really liked it. I I think that's the main question that we wanted answered. And I like you said earlier how it's kind of season 2.5 with those two episodes. Like they're not wasting mm-hmm. season three. They answered the main question we wanted to know. And 
the thing that I also wanted to know is like about Razor Crest. Like, what were they going to do without the ship? And I really, mm. really loved that they made it an old Naboo Imperial fighter. Like, that's super cool. Yeah. Let's. Okay. There's a lot to cover with this. Let's start with the fighter. Um. So they have the new N1 Starfighter. Um. I th- I thought it was a cool addition. I like the Razor Crest more. Um. Because you got to have more on on deck interaction between baby yoda and mando um which you can't necessarily get in the starfighter even though we did have that cute scene of him tapping the glass and i also was just kind of thinking he can't have as many people that he's getting bounties on because there's not much space yeah the only that, that was another thought the only benefit to the ship is that it's not registered and it goes extremely fast yep which um, while it just his birthday, one of your friends, Gray, mentioned to me, because I brought that same point up, and he's like, it's his transition from being a bounty hunter to being the wielder of the Darksaber. He has a ship now that's more geared towards fighting and defending than a ship towards bounty hunting, which I thought, like, okay, I can see that. And so they did answer also what happened to the other Mandalorians that were part of you know, his whole click. And I really, really liked that fight between the other Mandalorian and him, like the bigger, more bulky one. Yeah. The one from K- Clan Vizsla, um, who originally had the dark saber. Um, it was a cool fight. It was cool that they had that. The vibroblades that they have in there are awesome. And like Din was going to kill him. <laughs> he legitimately was going to murk this guy. Like he stabbed him in places where I was like, Ah, uh, he's probably bleeding out. <laughs> oh yeah, um, which is a huge development from the end of last season, where he was going to Bo-Katan being like, "Just take the damn L- dark saber." Now he's actually realizing what it means and is fighting for it. Right, and we the the armorer gives us some really great lore on the saber, or just like it's almost like she's kind of trained in some form of Jedi way where she's talking about how like when you resist the blade, it becomes heavier. And when you're one with the blade, like a lot of stuff we were seeing in rebels with Kanan and Sabine. So it was just kind of cool seeing, hearing her, you know, give similar lessons to Din. And how she was even talking about Bo-Katan and how Bo-Katan got the blade without earning it in combat and how that was a cautionary tale, which is why Bo-Katan was so adamant that she had to win it in a fight against Moff Gideon. So it it expanded on that really well. Right. It's almost, I don't know how to explain it, but in a way where which side is, well, we know which side is right, but you know, I'm sure Din is thinking like, okay, who's right here, the armor or, or Bo-Katan? And like, you know, what, who do I believe? You know, they, mm-hmm. and at the, you know, at the end of the fight, he reveals that he took off his helmet because in season two, he had to, to save everyone. And so they kick him out. So now he is without his family and he's without his child. Like he's yeah. with a, with a new purpose of wielding this blade that he has no idea the history of. And, you know, has never really set foot on Mandalore. So he he's just kind of lost. It, it's a cool spot for him to be in. I definitely was like, screw you, Armorer, when he's like, she's like, you're no longer a Mandalorian. Like, come on. The guy's wielding the Darksaber. He's clearly a Mandalorian. Right. And then it's very cute that he uses some of the Beskar to make Grogu like a chainmail thing. 
kind of uh, mm-hmm. reminded me. I don't know why, but like Lord of the Rings, when yeah, when Frodo gets his, <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what it reminded me of that. And I'm like, this is adorable. Holy crap! I loved that. The little chainmail was great. Um, does that bring us in now to talk about Luke and Grogu? Yes. The the last thing I want to talk about is just the last episode with the whole Rancor, but let's let's talk about Luke right now. Yeah. So first off, the CGI. I thought they did a great job with the CGI this time. Like Mm -hmm. that was impeccable. That was Luke Skywalker. Um, The audio for it felt a bit off. I don't know if that's because of mixing or just or what it was, but it felt a bit off to me. Um, but the actual CGI part was impeccable. Yeah, I thought it was great. I did think they stepped up their game massively. I think we mentioned in the past, and it's kind of interesting, on YouTube, one of the, I don't know, he does a lot of CGI work. He remade something when they first introduced Luke in Mando Season 2, and Disney liked it so much that they hired him. So I have a feeling he had a massive role. And also, I'm wondering how rushed was Luke in Mando Season 2, where now they have a whole period of time where they can sit there, refine him, make him look good, you know, and work on certain things. Also, I heard that a lot of the audio was just backtracks of different things that Mark Hamill had already said that they just kind of clipped together and pieced together. That would make a lot of sense because it felt really off. And I'm like, Mark Hamill's a really good voice actor. It wouldn't sound this off if it was him actually doing it in studio. I don't know why, but I really, really loved how they, he was, you know, when you're walking with your parents when you're really little and they both hold your hands and like they go one, two, three, and they like pick you up and swing you. And how he's just doing that by himself with the forest with Grogu. I love that. So it was cute. so freaking cute. All of that was so cute. And the frogs with him like force pulling them to eat the frog and him like chiding Baby Yoda. It was so, so freaking adorable. One of the things I thought interesting about that episode is that Ahsoka arrives on the planet where Luke has his first Jedi temple and you know, Mando's like, I want to go see Grogu and she's kind of cautioning him about how if she goes and sees him, he's going to choose Mando over Luke. And there's, there's just like specific interactions between Ahsoka and Luke that I find super intriguing because I'm wondering if Luke was asking her like, what was Anakin like? What was, what was my father like? Mm-hmm. And you know, does, does she train Luke? Or does he give her any pointers? And the other thing I'm thinking about, too, is she doesn't bash Luke for choosing to be a Jedi. Like, she's a Force user who knows the Jedi ways, but is not in any way, shape, or form trying to stop Luke from becoming a Jedi. Yeah, her interactions with Luke, you can't help but wonder. Like, how much of the bad past of the Jedi is she telling him? How much about Anakin? How much about Padme? Like, she could reveal so much to this guy. Um, and people need to stop freaking making memes about those two having romantic tension because it is not, it does not work. It's so it's freaking weird when you guys do that. Really gross. I didn't it's need It's really that. disgusting. That's like She's Tumblr like an shit. aunt. Yeah, like, she's his aunt, guys. You got to get over that. Um, but you can't help but wonder what she told about Anakin, what she told about the Jedi. Um, and... Let's talk about a little bit of 
Grogu's decision because a lot of fans thought that was grossly out of character for Luke, right. just like they do about everything with Luke post Return of the Jedi. Well, Evan was saying the same thing. Evan was kind of like, you know, the Return of the Jedi, he chooses his family and his father over, you know, following the dark side or the light side. And Luke presents Grogu with the chain chainmail, and then he also presents him with Yoda's lightsaber, which was awesome that he had it somehow. I mean, not somehow, but like it's just cool that he kept it. And it just doesn't seem like he learned anything from Return of the Jedi where he's going to make this this other Force user who is going to be extremely powerful in the Force to choose between not having attachments and becoming a Jedi, you know? It, it it's, a, it's a fair criticism, even though I make fun of butthurt Luke fans. It is a fair criticism. Um... But the way I see it is he's still learning how to teach and he's learning from his examples from former masters because that's exactly a decision Yoda would make him do because that's exactly what Yoda did make him do. Um, Plus, also, you can argue that you're taking Grogu down two entirely different paths if he decides to follow Mandalore versus following the way of the Jedi and maybe the two just can't coincide or... On the other hand, since Grogu is going to live such a long life, maybe he can spend an entire life with Mando and then still be, what, four years old in Yoda speak, in Yoda lifespan, and go on to become a Jedi after. I, I don't know. There's a lot to think about with that scene. I just have a feeling that he's going to play a major role in helping Mando take back Mandalore and use a Darksaber. Oh, absolutely. I think he's going to be huge with that. Um if I was Star Wars, I'd do something with Mando later in life being the Mandalorian of, like, the Mandalore and Grogu eventually taking over his role and ruling as the next Jedi Mandalorian. But that's only fan fiction in my nerdy little heart. Uh, you should write that story for me, Gary. I'll read it. Mm-hmm. I'll include the part about Ahsoka and Luke having a romantic relationship for you. Thank you. Or you could just make that be, like, the longest chapter. But I I love that they have that part in there because it does make it so that Grogu can come back in a logical way. And it's not something stupid. I think it makes sense for Luke to have him make a choice, even if it is kind of out of character. It's not so grossly out of character that you can't resolve it. I wouldn't say it's out of character. I just don't think it's something that he hasn't learned because even he still messed up with kylo which is actually his first student which you know isn't that many years off of what's going on right now if you think about it and it wasn't Mm. until return of the jedi where he finally figures out that the jedi way is just as wrong as the sith and yoda's kind of like haha you fool and so that's why i'm just like yeah luke's still in this spot like he might have it's like the i'm gonna do my thing or like uh do as I say, not as I do kind of thing where. Yeah. I, I, Cause I don't think Luke really decides that the Jedi way is flawed until the last Jedi in, in return of the Jedi. He's like, I am a Jedi like my father before me. He's fully embracing the Jedi way. So it would make sense with his character off of that arc to be teaching a Padawan off of the original Jedi way. Um, and it brings baby Yoda back with Mando, and we all knew we needed that. I just 
don't even know where they're going to go with Mando season three. Are you going to have it be him still on Tatooine kind of wrapping things up with, you know, Boba or is it going to be them going off and trying to figure out what to do with the dark saber, him recruiting, finding Bo-Katan? It, I'm good with either one, honestly. Um, and that kind of brings us into the final episode of Book of Boba. So the final episode I thought was one where Boba actually really shined. The other episodes he didn't as much for me. Um, but this one you actually see him as both the defender and the strong character, the strong fighter that he's expected to be. You get to see him actually express that a bit more in multiple ways. Um, I love the Western feels of this episode. You get more of that classic showdown feel of him surrounded by Pikes and Cad Bane with Mando there and a lot of a lot of great fight scenes and stupid parts with the guy spinning. So one of the things that we kind of talked about earlier, how it expands the Star Wars universe, they also did that with the Rancor, I feel like, where you know he imprints on Boba and he can rancors can be nice and it's so it's cool at the very end of the episode that they use this rancor to really help fight these mega droidicas that's what i'm going to call them i know they have actual names but i'm going to call them the mega droidicas and i also got incredibles 2 vibes or incredibles 1 sorry vibes like the, the droids kind of looked like the thing that he fights i mean like it's more like they have you know, it's a little bit different, but it's still kind of, I, I felt there was like a, a little similarity. Anyway, I just really like Rancors. I have mad love for them since the fighting them in the Knights of the Old Republic. And so seeing an actual Rancor in action going around, not in Forced Unleash, not in Knights of the Old Republic, but live action and Boba Fett riding him. Like how did Boba Fett fans not think that's awesome? Yeah, I, I liked it. You gave me mad ptsd of mentioning rancor in knights of the old republic because that part kicked my ass um but it is really cool it's cool having him on the rancor it's kind of like i think that mando is going to eventually ride the mythosaur which is a big thing of mandalorian legend and there'll be two coinciding with them riding like the big bad monster of their areas just my own little prediction but i will say a fair critique Everyone's like, why the hell didn't he just grab Slave One or Fire Shocker or whatever the heck it's called now? It's it's Slave One. Um, why didn't he just grab that to shoot the Mega Droidicas? Fair critique. The answer is because it wouldn't be nearly as badass. Okay, that's why. Because there would have been one of those memes where it's kills Droidicas and written by George Lucas. You yeah. know? Like it would have been so short. It would have been, there's no, there, like they... They introduced the Rancor for a reason, so they had to bring him in at the end, even though that is a valid critique. And I love how the Rancor wrecked Mando, and then Baby Yoda comes in with the most adorable part of him stopping the Rancor and then cuddling up next to the Rancor for a nap. Like, I know it's just fan service cute, but I'm all for it. It's so it's so adorable. It is very adorable. I'm all about it, too. Any last thoughts on Book of Boba Fett? All it does is make me more excited for the next season of Mando. I mean, am I going to watch the next season of Book of Boba? Absolutely. But I left that series thinking, wow, Mandalorian's going to be dope when it's back. Yeah, I'm really excited for Mando in season three. 
there's just a lot going on and I need to go buy a dark saber. Same. So I think it's time for a wondrous segment, a segment that will be titillating for you. And again, I can't think of another Nickelback verse. This is Comic of the Week. Comic of the Week. All right, Gary, do you want to hear about Thor, Hulk, or what's going on in the X-Men, Wolverine comics, or what's going on in Undiscovered Country? I think... Or, sorry, not not Undiscovered Country, Devil's Reign, which is the Daredevil stuff. Mm. I'm leaning towards a little bit of Hulk, because I plan on reading that probably today. Okay, so we're... Where you, we ended up, like, for those of you who haven't seen, Hulk. Well, I don't think, well, I, I don't Bruce know if we covered Hulk at all, but no, I we, we, we might have. But to, like, uh, uh, round it back, basically, Donny Cates, the writer of the Venom series, is starting up a series on Hulk. And his whole premise is that Banner is the one we should be afraid of more than Hulk. And basically, Bruce Banner's personality is running the Hulk kind of like a android machine mech thing that he can just control and the hulk is basically locked up deep down within that psyche constantly getting pissed off as the motor right yeah the more he gets angry the faster the the hulk machine gets goes and as he steps through this portal because he wants to get away from earth he gets pulled out of the portal by another bruce banner and so this comic is it's interesting because they're Bruce is Bruce and Bruce are kind of talking to each other, trying to understand each other, trying to get a, a knowledge of like where they're at, what's going on. And the Bruce that we see in this other dimension is very much just, there's no Hulk in him. There is only, you know, this like scientist he's, he's handicapped. Um, and Banner, our Banner, is super upset about it. And while this is going on, super upset that he got pulled out of like pulled out of him traveling. While this is going on, Hulk is in his mind, I guess, fighting a massive Wolverine, just absolutely massive. Wolverine, I love that's the old school which, Wolverine too that he's fighting. It is, and he like cuts like rips off his arm and like with his claws and stabs him in the eye with it. It's pretty rad. And, but what also is interesting too, is the, there is this, I don't know, character or being like almost, you know, the, um, and Al Ewing's run where there's like the, uh, the God below. Oh yeah. Kind of like the um, one below all sort of thing, Yeah, the but one not, below it's all. like a different being. There's, yeah. But there's like this other being, that he sees in this universe. I don't even really know like this landscape and Hulk is trying to go after it. And he just kind of keeps on dissipating and Hulk is getting angrier and angrier about it. But the reason why, and this is where the whole kind of story comes from. There's the, you find the backstory out on this, this, this banner, why he is currently going through all their multiverses, trying to find a stable Hulk because in his universe, his father-in-law who um his father-in-law had a nuke you know be sent off and he kind of like killed the world and they all turned into these like really nasty hulks 
who aren't really able, they don't have like motor function. Some of them are like super deformed. And so he needs to find a Hulk that is able to kind of communicate, walk, talk, do things to study him to help fix the people on his hmm. earth. Yeah. And he feels like super guilty that he caused this math, this, this, this mass destruction. He he says, I became death. And they're all just kind of like really, really gross beings, like super duper gross beings. And sorry, the person that I was trying to think of earlier was President Ross. He's now the president. He's the one who sent off the nuke. Mm. And, and so he, that's like where we, the, the story kind of ends. Our Hulk is freaking out that there's like nasty, not full form Hulks. And so I'm just kind of interested to see where the story goes. Hmm. Okay. I didn't think it would go that direction, but I like it. I like, uh, it's kind of like a version of Spider-Verse, but with Hulk a little bit. Um, I'm still interested in the idea of Banner running Hulk like a machine with the engine being just Hulk pissed off. And I, I'm excited to see where this, where this one goes. I'm, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed at least the first one of the Venom run. I haven't re- read the rest of it, but it should be pretty good. Thor is really interesting right now. I'm not going to go into super big detail, but basically Thor can't use Mjolnir right now. It's too heavy for him, mm. and he doesn't know why. And the God of Thunder, not the God of Thunder, the, the God of Hammers comes, and which is basically Mjolnir in a... Did you ever see Hercules, the old cartoon, and like they they broke out like the the massive gods from the um, water? Oh, like you know the what I'm Titans, about? the Titans, and the, the there was the Ice Titan. It looks like that, but like with lightning instead of ice. That and it's wielding Milnir. Hmm. And at the very end, like the last reveal was like, where did you get, you know, all this anger from? Where are you so, you know, why do you hate me? And he's kind of like, I've heard all your speeches. I know who you are. You know, like you can't, you know, you can't stop me. You abandoned me when, you know, Jane Foster and she threw Melnir with Maggog into the sun. Hmm. So Melnir, Melnir's personality and, and Maggog are now merging and it's like this evil Melnir. Interesting. What is it? The War of Hammers plot is what it's called. Yeah. yeah, Warhammers. I, I just know it's the good. Thor run that Donnie's done, it came off to a crazy start with like this Black Winter and Galactus being destroyed. It was, it, it, it seems awesome. I kind of want to keep up with these, both of these runs because they're both doing some sick stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited for where these stories are going. Donnie Cates does great. And Ryan Otley is the, the artist for the Hulk run. And we have Nick Klein on Thor. So just want to give those guys some shout outs. They're awesome. Follow them on Twitter and, you know, also go to the comic stores, you know, read, read their stuff, support the local comic book scene. Yeah. But this is our episode on Book of Boba, Multiverse of Madness. And I want to just leave on a bit of a somber note. Um, first off, we have to give our plugs here. You can find us at Podwars Podcast or ask Podwars Podcast at gmail.com. Let, was that the somber note? No, the somber note is coming. Don't <laughs> don't you worry. Um, please tell us to release the justice cut and have a justice release <laughs> his interview with Charles Saul. Um, I really, really want us to release it. Um, let us know that on Twitter. And to finish it off, I just want you to ask yourself, 
if today was your last day and tomorrow was too late, could you say goodbye to yesterday? Would you live each moment like your last? Leave old pictures in the past. Donate every dime you have if today was your last day. Thank you and have a good week. <laughs>